This is part two of our uh, Shabbos uh, candles class. And while we did some of the practical issues um, last week, uh, for the most part we were discussing a lot of background. Why do we light candles? Who's obligated to light candles? Husbands versus wives? What's the reason for candles? Etc., uh, etc. Et uh, but now we are ready for a jam-packed shear in many, many, if not all, hopefully we can get to all, but many, many issues uh, that relate to the practical uh, application of how one fulfills the mitzvah, with some specific uh, focus on the fact that, obviously, the people sitting in front of me uh, are all women. Uh, I'll mention briefly maybe a halacha about when men light, uh, but uh, if I was giving a share to men about the broader topic, it might be a slightly different focus, but obviously here uh, we want to be very, very uh, practical uh, for Everybody, I also mentioned that last week's year that probably there's enough material when doing thoroughly that we could have done three shurim, but uh, we decided, uh, you know, people have attention spans perhaps maybe for two, a two-part series more than a three, so we are going to, if, if we don't get to everything today, I'm always around to answer questions, of course, but hopefully uh, we'll get to all the main points uh, today. So let's start with uh, source number one. Uh, we're thinking very, very practically. It's, it's in a few days from now, it's Friday night, uh, and you're about to light candles. What are you, especially as a woman, accomplishing? Why you light, we saw, kavod, oneg, shalom bayis, but what are you accomplishing? So the answer is it's actually a major machloket, and the Shulchan Aruch, on source number one, brings down two opinions. The first is in the opinion of the Bahag. Kevin shehidlik ner shel Shabbos, chal Shabbos v'nesar b'malacha. The Bahag, who was maybe at the end of the Gonim or earlier Shonim, really, really uh, ancient authoritative source, he says that when women light Shabbos candles... The assumption is that they are being Makabal Shabbos then. So even though it's not yet dark out, even it's not been sunset yet, it's your 18 minutes, it's your 20 minutes, it's in the summer and it's an hour and a half or two hours before it gets dark. But once you light Shabbos candles, for you it's Shabbos for all intents and purposes, and you cannot do malacha. What we're not going to discuss, this is certainly beyond the range of uh, today's shear, would be what about all sorts of other things. For example, I just remembered, uh-oh, I didn't count Sphira from yesterday. Uh-oh. I didn't do a nida badika that I was supposed to do. Now, uh-oh, all sorts of those. I didn't daven mincha yet. And those are very re- relevant questions, but it's some, you know, we, can't, we can't do everything. So that we're going to have to just leave aside. But for all intents and purposes, says the Bahag, even if it's not yet dark, you've made Shabbos and therefore you're Asr and Malacha. Could you still kind of play it both ways? Well, even though I accepted Shabbos because I lit, but uh-oh, I forgot to daven mincha. Uh-oh, I forgot to do a badika. Uh-oh. Maybe, but those are the kind of things that, at least for our purposes now, you'll have to ask me a shayla if it happens, because I can't get into all those details now. But for the most part, we assume that it's Shabbos according to the Bahag. However, in the second line, the Shulchan says, Yesh Cholkin, other people disagreed, there were other authorities who disagreed and said, no, even a woman when she's lighting candles, uh, if it's not yet dark, it's not dark, and until it gets dark, or she davens mariv, because when you daven Marev, obviously you're making a statement that it's already nighttime, uh, and I'm accepting it's Shabbos, you daven a Shabbos Monesrei at Marev. Uh, so that's the second opinion. As you probably know from all of your uh, experience growing up, both in your mother's home and in uh, your own home, uh, the accepted uh, normative opinion is generally like the, uh, like the Bahag. We assume that women, when they light candles, are accepting Shabbos. Is there a possibility of delaying that? So that is going to be, I think, the last topic on the sheet, or the sec- second to last topic on the sheet. Can you suspend that reality? Can you say, even though I'm lighting, I don't want it to be Shabbos for me yet because, and we can fill in the because, why is going to be relevant. You can't always do it. It might depend on why you're doing it. How you do it, does everyone agree you can delay Shabbos? Well, Mirza Hashem, get to that. But the default for women, 
We accept the opinion of the Bahag, the default for women, you need to be aware of this, obviously make sure things get done that you need to get done before you light candles. The default for women is that when you light Shabbos candles, you have accepted uh, Shabbos upon yourself. Uh, and that's exactly what the Ramah says in the bottom of source number one, the last line. Haminhag, the accepted practice, Shosa Isha Hamadlekes, Mekabela Shabbos Behadlaka. Now the Ramah here opens the door for the possibility that you can make a tanai, a condition. You could say to yourself, I'm not the Mekabela Shabbos. But again, as I said, we'll try to get to that, uh, please God, uh, at the end of the year. Now, why is this important? Aside from what I mentioned, obviously, which is you need to know what you have done before candles, what you're allowed to do or not allowed to do after candles. This is also important because, and this is where I would not have spent too much time if I had a bunch of men in front of me now, this will impact on how you light the Shabbos candles. What is the procedure? And here I now want to discuss the issue of the bracha, and more importantly, aerobics. <laughs> right? Where does that come from? Why do we do that? Um, and also the issues of how do you handle the match uh, once you've lit the candles. So for this, we need to take a look at sources number two, and three. In source number two, the Ramah mentions, Yesh Misha Omer, there is an opinion, Shimbavarchin Kodim Hadlaka. Some say you should make the bracha of Lahadlik and then light the, can- light the candles. Yesh Misha Omer, there's another opinion that says, Bavarich Achar Hadlaka, that you should first do the Hadlaka, you've already lit the candles completely, and only then make the bracha. Now what's the issue? Why would you do one or the other? So let's take a step back. Any other mitzvah that you do, or most mitzvahs that you do, when do you make the bracha? Before or after the mitzvah? The answer, as we know, is before. And that's a halacha. That's not, actually, that's not just a, a common practice or a, a, you know, something that we're just used to. That's actually a halacha. It's the Gemara Masech Tabsachim tells us, kala brachos, over over We're supposed to generally, unless there's a reason not to, we make brachos before we do a mitzvah. So the opinion that says women should make the bracha and then light the candles, perfectly reasonable. That's like every other mitzvah that we do. We make the bracha, then we blow the shofar. Right? We make the bracha, then we do all the shaking of the lulav, etc. Right? We usually make brachos, before we do mitzvahs. And that's one opinion in the Shulchan Aruch. So why would there be opinion that says, no, first do the mitzvah, light the candles, and then make the bracha? So take a look at the Mishnah Bura in source number three. It says the Mishnah Bura, because according to that opinion, Siralei im tivarech haviki'ilu kabla l'shabes b'ferush. In other words, think about that for a second. When you say those words, l'hadlik ner shel shabbos, or Shal Shabbat, however you, your particular Havara is, um, in essence what you've declared, whether you've thought about it or not, and you might have had eight other things on your mind a millisecond before, so it's not, we're not always having, you, know, you try, I know women very much try to kind of get that inner peace of mind so they can have a, a meaningful experience when they light. But whether you realized it completely or not, just by dint of the words that you're saying, you're basically declaring already that for you it's Shabbos. So according to the second opinion, as Mishnah explains, it could be that the language of the bracha, you're saying, shell Shabbos, I'm declaring that it's Shabbos now. If, if I would do the normal practice, according to this opinion, and make the bracha, and then light, what would be the very first thing I did on Shabbos? I was Mechal Shabbos. Because when I made the bracha, I was accepting Shabbos, and the very first thing I did a millisecond later was light a candle. Oy vavai. 
So that's why you had these two different practices in this machlokis emerging in the Mishnah Bur- in, in the Ramah. The Mishnah Bur- explained it. So if you go back to source number two, so that's where the Ramah comes and says, therefore we have a minhag. What's the minhag? The minhag is a way to try to thread the needle, to try to avoid the problem completely. And therefore in the middle of the second line of source number two, what should we do instead? Misimen hayad lifnei haner, and therefore, this is the common uh, practice. V'acharkach, I stopped reading too early, I'm sorry. V'acharkach mesalkanayad. Then we take away our hands, and then we look at the candles. In other words, what's the Ramah saying? What do we do? We light the candles. Then we cover our eyes. You know, depending on how many waves you do. Uh, that's maybe, you know, secret, you know, mother to daughter, uh, you know, family secrets. Um, but you then cover your eyes. You make the bracha. And then you take away your hands and you look at your candles. It's not a thing we usually do for any other mitzvah. So why are we doing it? Again, maybe there's some mysterious Kabbalistic reasons, I don't know. But there's a very basic halachic reason what the Shulchan Aruch is telling us. That we're trying, it's a little bit of a fudge, it's a little bit of a fudge, but we're doing the best we can. We're trying to have our cake and eat it too. On the one hand, we're concerned about this opinion that says that maybe the bracha itself is the Kabbalah Shabbos. We saw in source number one that women accept Shabbos when they light candles. Well, what does that mean, light candles? Literally the act of lighting or maybe the bracha? So since there's opinion that says it's a bracha, we can't just make the bracha and then light. Because then we might be a Shabbos. That would be a really bad way to start the Shabbos. And therefore, what do we do? We light first. But since we know we're about to make the bracha, we're not really being macabre with the lighting. We're waiting until we make the bracha. But on the other hand, we still want to be able to, so to speak, as much as possible, fulfill this normal, typical requirement of bracha coming first. So what do we do? Even though we've lit first, we right away cover our eyes so we don't have any benefit, any hana from the candles. That's the issue of lighting. We cover our eyes, then we make a bracha, and then we open up our hands so that we can see the, eye, the candles. So in that sense, we've benefited from the candles, which was we saw last week is a significant component of the mitzvah. Oneg Shabbos, Kavod Shabbos, Shalom Bayis. We benefit from the candles after the bracha. So is that really, really over Elas Yassan? As I say, it's a little bit of a, a fudge, but it's the best we can do is we're in between a kind of rock and a hard place between the general halachic preference of making brachas first, but the unique Shabbos candles concern that maybe when we make the bracha, it itself, Ivan Mikal Shabbos, and as I said, we certainly wouldn't want to uh, start Shabbos uh, in that way. So that is, just again, this is, you've done this so many hundreds of already, some of you maybe uh, more than hundreds of times uh, in your life, we should be aware of what we're doing, and more importantly, now we understand why we're doing it. Another factor that comes up, I'm curious uh, if anyone wants to, uh, will do a poll, if anyone will sh- hopefully will share what your practice is. There are some, it's actually brought down in Shulchan Aruch, there are people who are very, very nervous about blowing out, extinguishing the match after they light. And some posts can bring down that you should be very careful, just put down the match and let it remain lit. Obviously not like on something that would be flammable. Um, and then it'll just go out on its own. Does anyone have that practice? Anyone grow up with that hakpara? You have that? Anybody else? Also, okay, too, not bad. Um, so the answer is, it's, there's, the, the reason for it is exactly this point. Because you, remember, you lit, on, now that's the, that's the concern for the opposite direction. Maybe lighting is the Kabbalah Shabbos. I didn't make the bracha yet, but maybe the very act of lighting, I've already been with Kabbalah Shabbos. So we know one of the things you're not allowed to do on Shabbos is make a fire. You're also not allowed to extinguish a fire on Shabbos. So if I would have lit the candles, if, according to one opinion, that's already Shabbos, now I blow out the match, 
We don't want to do that. So that's why the minhag of some people is to just leave the match and let it go out on its own. Nevertheless, for the majority of the people in the room who do not have that practice, let your heart not be worried. The Archa Shochan already and Ramosha Feinstein and others point out, it's really, really not necessary. Because our whole practice, as we just saw from the Ramah, is that we're more uh, you know, persuaded or certainly more concerned generally by the assumption that it's really the bracha is when you're being Makabal Shabbos. And therefore, since you haven't made the bracha yet, there really is no problem uh, blowing out the match. Again, we do all sorts of things. I mean, I guess it's true about every culture, but you know, there are plenty of minhagim. I don't think every minhag has to you know, pass the most rigorous logic test. Right? Minhagim have all sorts of reasons. And there are times in life where we have sometimes you know, contradictory minhagim. And each one plays its role. So just you should be aware, and I don't mean this is a criticism, this has been your minhag all the years of your marriage, is that, hey, keep on doing it. But there's a certain logical contradiction. You don't need, if, if you're worried about blowing out the match, then there's no reason to cover your eyes. because you've already done, right? The whole idea is we're balancing these two concerns, and some people have the minog to be careful about that, and if that's your minog, you should continue. But those who don't have that minog, in case you may see it in a safer somewhere, it is brought down to Shulchan Aruch. But our practice now is probably not, that we don't have to really worry about that, given the fact that we're more inclined to assume that it's really the bracha is when you're Makabal Shabbos. Yes? Why don't you change the tense of the bracha to imply that it has to? The lahab, well, or, or even al, we'll get to that also. I'm not sure, and I, Nusach bracha, and how do you... Um, the proper syntax for brachas is, is actually a very complicated shayla. Not only halakas neiros. I mean, it's a whole sugi in Maseches Psachim in the Gemara about when you do all this versus lo that, and it's a fair question, but it's just beyond. Uh, I admit it's a good question. But yes, exactly. It could be another series, exactly on, on brachas. Okay, so now Viter, now we're ready for uh, topic number. That was topic number one. Now we're ready for topic number two. This is a very, very important one, especially in the twentieth and the twenty-first century, which is. What do we light? What's the material that we light? What, what kind of candles do we use? What's our source of light? Now, this was a Shiloh always, uh, but it became a much more interesting Shiloh uh, thanks to Thomas Edison and electricity and light bulbs. So in terms of a background, I don't have this on the sheet for you, but in terms of a background, uh, those of you who go to shul on Friday night or even if you just look carefully in the sitter in between Kabbalah Shabbos and Mariv, you know that there's a minog, many people say, the second parak, the Mishnayis in Masecha Shabbos, Bamemadlikin. So most of us don't know what we're saying, what's Itron, what's this, what's Zephus, what's that. The bottom line is pretty much everything is kosher for Shabbos candles, Assuming that there's really only two requirements, if you put it all together, that it's a consistent light, you don't have to worry about it going out, it's not this very crude uh, material, you know, whether it's the kind of oil or pitch or tar or whatever. Over a cent- Jews have been, in, you know, had, had to have certain ingenuity over the centuries. Not everyone got to live in a generation as uh, easy as ours. Uh, so all sorts of things can be used, assuming that A, the light would remain clear and strong, and B, it wouldn't be malodorous. That's a worry that some of the fuel sources really would stink. That's why the Gemara was worried about that, and that you wouldn't want to be in the room because of the bad odor, and you wouldn't enjoy it. But pretty much anything else goes. Shulchan Aruch does bring down uh, that some people had a hidur for Shem and Zayis, like on Hanukkah, for uh, olive oil. Anyone use olive oil for uh, candles? Okay, so it's brought down in Shulchan Aruch as a hidur. Some say it has to do with the base Amikdash, and there's a whole, you know, machshava about that. And others say, no, more prosaically, olive oil in the ancient world, was the most consistently reliable source of fuel. But it's not really, you know, magical, Kabbalistic, you know, connected to the base of Mikdash. And anything else you use that would be just as effective as olive oil would be good. That line of thinking is the basis for why, for hundreds and hundreds of years, 
I don't exaggerate it too much, but certainly when I was growing up, and I think even before that, the overwhelming practice was for people to use wax candles. Right? They used to use these big, fat wax candles. They were known as the Shabbos candle thing. I don't know if anyone else in the world bought those kind of candles, but we did. We did. It's like the Barcelona hat. I have no idea how people stay in business when the only people in the whole world who are still buying it are from Jews. Uh, we, you know, we're not like from John Kennedy anymore where everyone used to wear a hat. Uh, somehow these people stay in business just from us. So, so too, apparently, there was a shot. Now, I don't know if they're still in business because then, be, then be, you know, now we have this paraffin uh, invention. So what's paraffin? It's not. I don't know, you know what it is. I'm not, I, didn't, I didn't do so well in chemistry in high school. But whatever it is, I know it's not Shaman's eyes. I know it's... The answer is, but it doesn't matter. Because hakolcha, all, anything is good as long as it's a clear, reliable uh, source of light. Okay, that's one factor. Now, when I say anything, okay, paraffin, wax, olive oil... What about electricity? Could you light by just turning on a light? Well, light to the ceiling, you know, if you have a table lamp, something like that. Now, your first instinct, um, you know, especially being that you're orthodox, is what are you, crazy? We don't do that. So that's okay. First of all, we understand why not. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to uh, challenge that. But what about in a situation where you didn't have access to something else? What about a woman who's in the hospital? What about if you're in a hotel? Not so simple to light in a hotel. What if it's the second day yontif somewhere else you, you don't have the There are many examples where a person doesn't have access to candles. What do you do? So this is a massive topic. Massive topic. I, but I do want to give you uh, some of the highlights because uh, I think it's important for you to understand that only in those situations when you are in complicated situations, but it'll also be very relevant for literally this Shabbos, for every one of us, every time we're home, because we need to understand not only what to do in extraordinary circumstances, when you don't have candles, but also how does, in your typical situation, when you are home, or in, or in a home where you can easily light, how does those, how does that, those candles that you have in your life there, how is that interacting with the light you anyway have in the room and in your house? And that is a very, very practical shy, as we'll get to in a moment. So just to give you a quick, quick overview and summary, and this, you can imagine, this is a Shaila that only started, you know, whatever, 100 years ago or less, when uh, it became much more common for people to have electricity uh, in their homes, and then the question became, can you fulfill the mitzvah? There's also a parallel question, which was asked, and maybe it's the same question, maybe you can distinguish, which is, what about Havdalah? Can you make Havdalah? Can you say, Bari Aish? on electric lights. Of course, if it would be Hanukkah, we could ask the same question about the electric Hanukkah menorah. So, when it came to Shabbos candles, a lot of different factors were involved. Uh, some suggested that even though the Mishnayos say you could light on anything, but anything meant if it had certain characteristics, like a fuel source and a wick. Because those Mishnayos in Bamemadli can talk about what could be good for a wick, what could be good for the fuel source, but you need both. Maybe electricity doesn't have that. That's what could be one reason that there's a problem. Another of the big factors, which I will we'll mention briefly, is something that was asked by one of the ladies last week, which is, do you need to actually do an act of lighting the candle? Or is it enough to just have light? If, as the bracha indicates, the bracha is lahadlik ner, right? If we're saying you have to light Shabbos candles, so I know what it means to light. I take a match or some kind of, you know, or an existing fire and I kindle, I light another wick, I light another candle, a new candle. But is turning on a switch, is that called a maisa hadlaka? Is that an act of lighting candles? Do you actually have to light Shabbos candles? What if they were lit anyway? 
I just walk in a room, I see some candles lit, can I make a bracha on that? So this is a very interesting discussion. The reason someone, uh, I can't remember who, but somebody very uh, intelligently brought this up last week. If you look at source number four, we had that source in last week's shir as well. The Rambam says, what's the mitzvah? Ner daluk b'shavs. It doesn't say you have to light the candles. It has to be lit candles. However they got lit, they got lit. But as long as I have light in my house, the Rambam seems to indicate that it would be okay. In source number five, which we did not see last week, it turns out it's a major machlokas. Tosvos in source number five asked the question, let's say, again, especially in the pre-electricity age, people had candles anyway. That's how they had light on Thursday and Friday also. So let's say you lit this huge candle Friday morning. And now six, seven hours later, it's shkia, it's 5.30, 6 o'clock in the afternoon, and it's Shabbos time, and the candle's still lit. It's still going on when you lit in the morning. Can you just make a bracha on that now? Or do you need to blow it out and then light again? That very basic question, seemingly a universe away from fluorescent light bulbs and incandescent light bulbs and all the things that we have, but a thousand years ago, that question was the basis of a machloket, source number five. Tosfat has a machloket. The first opinion is, if the candle was mudleket v'omedet, lo you don't have to blow it out. It's good, all you need is light. It's the result that counts. There's no requirement to light. Kavana. I'm doing this, hold on a second please, for Shabbos. It was lit already. However, Tosfa says in the second line, according to Rabbeinu Tam, no. You have to extinguish it. So they're arguing, not just about a tech, they're arguing about a fundamental question. Do you have to light or not? You know where this comes up? It came up in source number six, in the first line, you see that he quotes from the Magen Avraham. I didn't give you the whole source there, but I'll give you the background. Some of you may know, again, it doesn't stretch back into such ancient Jewish history, even though it's not something we would be typical with nowadays, but as you probably know, um, for much of Jewish history, certainly in the European experience, it was not at all uncommon to have weddings on Friday. Usually they have weddings on Friday afternoon. Why would they do that? Because they were so poor, they couldn't afford in one week to make a wedding suda and a Shabbos suda. So they would make the wedding shortly before Shabbos, and then go right in to the Shabbos suda. The Shabbos suda would be, uh, it wasn't just Shabbos, Shabbos brachos. It would make some of the negotiations between Chotan and perhaps easier. Um, you'd have to fight over Shabbos, Shabbos brachos, who's doing the wedding, it's just one meal. Uh, you, do it all, you do it all together. I don't understand exactly what this scenario was, but the Magen Avraham, which is quoted in source number six, it's a very famous piece. He discusses the situation, I'm not sure exactly why, but there was a woman who, who wants to attend the wedding. I don't mean, I don't think it's necessarily the mother of the bride, but someone wants to go to the wedding. Why not? But for whatever reason, and this is what the part I'm not clear about, the only way she can do so will involve Chil Shabbos. The wedding is at like four in the afternoon. Shabbos is not till six. But... She won't be able to get back in time. I guess that must have been. I'm not sure if going there would have required some kind of Chil Shabbos to travel, or maybe it just means that she wouldn't have gotten home until after Shabbos. But she, it's too early to light before she leaves. But by the time she gets back, it'll be too late to light. And she wants to go to the Shabbos. Now that I'm thinking about it more clearly, I think that was probably his scenario. So what should she do? Do we say that women can't go to these weddings on Friday afternoon because they won't be home in time? It's too early before they leave. It's too late before they come back. When they come back, what do they do? And the Magen Avram has different suggestions for how a woman could go to the wedding and deal with that. But his most famous and radical suggestion is when she comes home, even though it's already dark, she can ask a non-Jew to light for her. And she can make a bracha on it. The Magen Avram. Wow. Now, think about this for a second. Let's think a little bit uh, deep. 
conceptually. If he says you can ask a non-Jew to light the candles, you can even make a bracha on it. Does the Magen Abraham think that there's a mitzvah to light candles? Or just that it has to be lit candles? Clearly lit candles. Not only because someone else is doing it. You can say, well, that's my shaliach. But a non-Jew cannot be a shaliach for a Jew. It's not just saying I'll ask someone else to do it for me. Like, I'm, I'm away from home, so I, I call up my 15-year-old daughter and I ask her to light for me. That maybe wouldn't be a proof, maybe. But if you can ask a non-Jew to light for you, according to the Magen Avraham, clearly he's saying there's nothing ritualistic, there's nothing religious or spiritual about the act of lighting. Is that I have to have light in my candle. So I give you all this as a background because this question, again, weddings on Fridays, you know, Rabbeinu Tam, you know, 700, 800 years ago in France, it's another world, right? But with the advent of electricity, this became one of the major battlegrounds for the question of, is turning on a light considered the mitzvah of Shabbos candles? Leave aside whether electricity is fire, that was one question. But even if it is, maybe I need to do an act of lighting Shabbos candles. And who said just turning on the switch, flipping the switch in my house, is an act of lighting. And this is the basis of a machlokis I gave you as one example in source number six. Source number six is the Chuvas Hartsvi. Hartsvi was a Tzip Pesach Frank. Tzip Pesach Frank was the chief rabbi of Yerushalayim in the early part of the 20th century. He was a younger a colleague of Rav Kook. He looked at Rav Kook more as like a Rebbe, but he was kind of a younger colleague of Rav Kook. He was a chief rabbi of Yerushalayim. He was a big, big genius, a major tamachacham. If anyone has connections to Panovich, so the famous Rosh Hashiva Panovich, Rosh Morozovsky, was his son-in-law. Um, and to show you that the Jewish world is very small and uh, things should totally surprise you, if you have any connection to Passaic or Landers, Rabbi Yonason Sachs is like a great-grandson. And if you have connections to Gush, Rav Amnon Bazak is somehow related to him. Uh, so they're all in the family. Right? And hopefully they all get along, uh, even if they definitely come from different perspectives. Anyway, so T. Pesach Frank has a tshuva where he uses what we saw from the Rambam, the idea that Magan Avram allows even a non Jew in certain extraordinary cases. Says T. Pesach Frank, evidently there's no need to quote unquote light shops candles, I just need to have light. And if I have light coming out of the ceiling, that's thousands of watts, that's great. Again, obviously what he had in the early 1900s in Yerushalayim wasn't. Uh, the greatest light, but it was, you know, what we have, but it was something more powerful than just a few candles. He says, no problem. You even make a bracha on it. Shabbos candles electric. Frank, chief rabbi However, he points out that he heard that back in Europe, there was a great uh, genius whose name was the Rogachev Ragon. His name was Yosef Rosen, but he was really from a city called Rogachev. So he became known as the Rogachev. No, don't try to say that too fast, too many times. It's a, it's a tongue twister. He was what, if you've ever seen, I don't know if you've ever heard of this story, you're, you're, don't tell your kids this, so they will, if, they want to, if, if they'll use it against you. But he was not only a genius, he was so in love with Torah. If you've seen pictures of him, he had long hair. Because he could not bear to take off his yarmulke to get a haircut, because then he couldn't think about Torah without a yarmulke on. So in case any of your sons are in that stage where they're trying to have, grow their hair out, you know, if the reason is because they want to be like the Rogachever, so, you know, call me, we'll figure out what to do. Um, but if, if, if they've ever heard of the Rogachever, just be careful. If they pull that one on you, they may be manipulative, but they're not making it up. Right? It, there was such a gon, there was such a tzaddik named the Rogachever gon, and he was like the biggest genius in Europe in his day. Uh, he was a contemporary, he was a little bit Hasidish, and in the city of Dvinsk, when the Or Sameach, the Meshachachman, when he was rabbi of Dvinsk, the Hasidic rabbi in Dvinsk, uh, 
uh, was Rogachavar, quite a uh, dynamic duo. So there he quotes that Rogachavar was against. He thought, you need, who said you can uh, make a bracha on it? He says, maybe Havdala you can, because who said in Havdala you need an act of lighting, a Misa Hadlaka? So I'm giving you this as background so you should appreciate. Number one is, it's not like reform or crazy to think that you could be Yotze on electric lights. The major machlokas in the early part of the 20th century. And the consensus seems to be, if you ask me, and I think this is correct, and I give you it summarized here in source number seven in the Shemir Shabbos Kehilchasa, pretty definitive and authoritative work, certainly in 20th century Israeli uh, from culture. The majority view is you could be Yotze with electric lights. But for all sorts of reasons, not only traditional, but also because even halakhically it's debatable. It's not something that one should rely on. You know, this Friday night, you know, let's change it up a little bit. Let's see what the husband and kids think when they come home from shul and they're like, hey, where are the candles? I'm like, hey, look at the roof, look at the ceiling, don't you see? <laughs> right? Not recommending that. But it's relevant for two things. The one is we'll get to um, in a minute. But the first reason it's relevant is what if you cannot light? Let's say you're in a place that you do not have candles, like in the hospital, for example. So, is there no, so it could be there's nothing you could do. Okay, sometimes in life there's nothing you could do. But what is bet, what you can do, if preferable, and this is, take a look at source number seven, Shmir Shabbos Kilchasa makes this point explicitly. Again, it's not ideal, but if a person wants to be Yotze with Neros Chashmal, there's what to rely on. Even, says Shmir Shabbos Kilchasa, Gam you can make a bracha. And again, not everyone disagrees with this. If I'm not mistaken, I think Rav Moshe Feinstein was not so comfortable with the bracha part. But the majority of you is not like Rav Moshe. The majority of you is you could make a bracha on electricity. As Shmir Shabbos Kilchasa brings down. But he adds... Can't be lights that were on anyway. You need to have turned them on explicitly for Shabbos. Okay? So if a person is in a situation where they don't have candles, this is a way of fulfilling the mitzvah. Now I want to add one thing, which is complicated, and this is post the publication of Shur Shabbos Kolchasa, and that is um, in the new world that we live in uh, of environmental uh, sensitivity, so one of the things which is you know, quickly becoming extinct is the incandescent light bulb. The Chassidah was taught, and certainly Rav Pesach Frank, we're talking about an incandescent light bulb with a filament getting very hot. Right now we have fluorescent or other such LED lights and the, and, and, and the like. It's not clear that anyone would allow you to make a bracha on a fluorescent or an incandescent bulb. So if you're in a typical hospital nowadays, all that light coming out of the ceiling is all fluorescent. So I would turn it, ask, you know, whether if you can do it yourself or ask the nurse to do it, whoever it is, I would turn it on the kavana, or if let's say you have a light on your night table, you know, on, on the, on the, next to you, um, or let's say you're, somebody brought you a Shabbos lamp you were going to have so you could read over Shabbos, I would absolutely, right before Shabbos, turn it on and off, and I would do it the kavana, I'm doing this before Shabbos. There's a good chance that it is a mitzvah, but I would not make a bracha. As far as I know now, I'm not sure if there's any post in the to make a bracha on a fluorescent light bulb. Um, I've got those little... I don't know what those are, but if it's a, it's, it's a Matthias question. You, you, if, if it has some kind of a hot filament on the inside, which again, very rarely do they let you use anymore, then I would make a bracha. Then I think you can make a bracha on it. Uh, but if it doesn't, I would be nervous to make a bracha. I'm not saying it's nothing. I would absolutely use it. Uh, my wife knows, for example... Yeah, yeah. So, and I don't want to get too into the details of this. Well, I will, Well, it, I shouldn't say that. We will get to it in a bit when we discuss where do you light. But for example, hotels is not a simple thing. 
um, when they give you this like room way off in the corner that no one's going to go to, where there's a thousand candles, which even if anyone was in that part of the hotel, you couldn't walk in because it's so hot after every woman in the hotel lights. According to most poskim, you're not yotze with that. It's a major, major michshol in modern hotels. Uh, so my wife knows for many years, I tell her not to light there. Uh, then she really, really wants to light, because tell a Jewish woman that she can't light candles on Shabbos, and it's like, you're telling her you're going to have surgery without anesthesia. So my wife, usually, if, I don't know if she can correct me, I think sometimes she lights anyway, but I always tell her you cannot make a bracha in those rooms. But we bring some kind of extra, like, uh, thing to, you know... Now, it used to be you didn't have to do that. You could just turn on or off the bathroom light in your hotel room, and you were yotze with that. We, we, in our early part of our marriage, were you know, pre the green revolution, uh, we used to make brachas on that. But now that everything is LED or fluorescent, so we used to have like an actual, you know, I, I, my one incandescent bulb that I used to bring with me. Uh, and then she would like, Elana would make a bracha on that. I'm not sure we have that anymore. So we, we, we light without the bracha. But yeah. Oh, Machon Soman has something? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Feinberg. Okay. Everyone should call Machon Somet. And if, you, if they tell you that they have it, I can even bring it home. It's an Alon Shvut. I can bring it home for you. I'm happy. If anyone gets any orders from Machon Somet, we can do a group order from Machon Somet. You want to arrange that? I'm happy. I'd go there three times. I'm there three times a week. What is it? It's a little set of. It's, it runs on a battery, and you buy a very cheap battery that's going to run out like in an hour. It's two little bulbs. It's two little bulbs. Right. Okay, good. Yeah. Fantastic. Wonderful. Okay, now, let's discuss something more practical. Tachlis. You're not in a hotel for Shabbos, I hope. I mean, I, for your sake, I hope you are. You're not in a hospital, I hope, okay? Unless anyone's about to give birth, I hope you're not in a hospital for Shabbos. Um, what about this Shabbos? Tonight, if we're now saying that according to most people, the electricity could even substitute instead of candles, it certainly then could theoretically be part of the mitzvah, it certainly gives me Oneg Shabbos to have light, it gives me Shalom Bayis. So what in the world am I doing by adding my two candles, my four candles, my six candles? What is that all together? How many watts is that? It's nothing. It's garnished. I got thousands of watts coming out of the ceiling. I'm making a brach on the candles? This is not my question. Among others, it was a Shmir Shabbos, quotes of Shlomo Salman Orbach, source number eight. He says, one second. Why do we even light Shabbos candles anymore? We should go to the opposite extreme. And how can I make a brach on Shabbos candles? It sounds like a heretical question. It's not mine. It's Rosham Zalman Arbach's question. So he gives three possible answers. And again, because we're running a little bit behind my own uh, expected schedule, I'm going to do it uh, outside. But uh, he says there, if you look in, in, in the middle, he gives you three different possible reasons. One is he says, listen, even though nowadays he thinks you're Yotze with electricity, but since in the time of Chazal, they specifically said to use some kind of an oil, and again, wax candles is basically, from a halachic perspective, is like a congealed oil. So it's still, you can still make a bracha on that since we're doing what Chazal originally told us. Number two, I'll, I'll skip, to number, skip number two for a second because I think that's actually the main answer. Number three, he says is, listen, you're right, you're right. If, if Judaism was starting today, we probably would have, a diff, we'd have a different practice. But since for thousands of years, this is what millions and millions of Jewish women have done, he says, it's a minog chashuv. This has already become the minog of Klai Yisrael. To rip this out would be ripping out the fabric of Klai You know, you'd be literally upending uh, the way Jews have experienced Shabbos for thousands of years. Uh, it's just too much of an important minhag, and it's such an important minhag that we're gonna, it's, it's even deserving of a bracha, even though, yes, for all practical purposes, the real shalom bias and onig in my house is not from the candles, but from the electricity in, in, in the ceiling. But the middle answer that he gives, which I think is maybe the more powerful one even, is, Yedua v'nikar shezelech Shabbos. That the lights may be actually practically giving you all the benefit. That's true. But they're the same lights you had on on Tuesday night and Wednesday night also. The only, it's not obvious that someone would walk in the door that those lights are for Shabbos. But when you light Shabbos candles, wax, paraffin, 
olive oil doesn't matter. But you, when you light Shabbos candles, so that's clear that you're doing it for Shabbos. I saw in one of the uh, more modern uh, recent books, actually out of uh, Lakewood, that they quoted the Kloisenberger Rebbe, who I think in a, in a variation of this, I, I think it's the same idea, he referred to it as, it's like having a candlelit dinner. You and the Shabbos queen. It's a whole other, I think it's more or less what Shalom Zalman meant in the second answer. And in source number nine, that's what Ravaji Yosef says also. Heker miyuchad Shabbos. In other words, even when you have other sources of practical light, but there's something about the ambiance of having the candles. And therefore, even though it's not as practical or utilitarian that benefit that the candles give us, there's a certain, there's the tradition, the minhag, there's the fact that it's clear that I'm doing it for Shabbos as opposed to the electricity, and there's the ambiance that the candles create, and therefore some combination of those two or three reasons, that's why I am not aware of any modern post who say, therefore, we should no longer make brachos on our Shabbos candles because really we're benefiting from the electricity. It's one or two or these, one, two or three of these reasons which I think are still would give very legitimate meaning and reason behind uh, the mitzvahs, that we, the, the actual candles that we're lighting and even to make a bracha on that. Nevertheless, if you take a look at source number 10 on the second sheet, this is something which I try to remind people of a lot. I think people often forget it, uh, but it's important. I think if you, do, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you do this deliberately even for two or three weeks in a row, it'll, just be, it'll get into your muscle memory and, and you won't forget. Uh, and this is what I recommend. This is why my rebellion recommend. Uh, you see, I have it here in source number 10 from the Shemir Shabbos Kolchasa. But I can tell you that of Yaakov Kamenetsky or Moshe Feinstein or Soloveitchik, they all, all Gedolim of that generation, pretty much all advocated that given everything we've seen in the last 15, 20 minutes... What the best, most mahadrin, to use a good Israeli word, the most mahadrin uh, way of uh, fulfilling Shabbos candles in the 20 and 21st century is to combine your candles with the electricity. After all, as we saw last week, not only the candles in the, in the, in the room where you're eating, your dining room, but part of Shabbos candles is to have light anywhere in the house that you'll need it, that you'll benefit. Right? Having the bathroom lights on is a subcategory of Shabbos candles, because you need light, in whatever, or, or, any, or in the playroom, or any other room where you'd want light. Again, as I said last week, it's not a mitzvah to leave your bedroom lights on if you won't be able to sleep with the light on. Right? That's not called on a Shabbos. But any room where you need light for Shabbos, you can, that's part of the mitzvah. It's not just the candelabra that you have. And therefore, what the post can recommend, and here again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the part where I have an underline in source number 10 from Moshe Shemir Shabbos Kolchasa, but again, you have this in many of the American uh, post can said the same thing as well. What you should do is... Again, I'm not saying that the woman of the house has to run around to every room. Like the husband could do something like that. We talked about we we talked about last week that the role of the husband is to help, try to help with the Shabbos candles. So in many families, this is the way he helps. He's the one who's doing the other lights. Make sure the bathroom lights are on. Make sure the kids' night lights are on. Whatever the different things you, you need, right? But at least in the light. But but certainly in part uh, of the where let's say whatever room you're lighting in. Let's for now assume it's a dining room. For now we'll assume that. So whatever lights you were planning on leaving on anyway, maybe you have a chandelier over the table, or maybe you have lights, you know, skylight, you know, like, like we have here, um, something like that, what you should do is you should turn them off, or, or if they're already off, it's fine, but if they're on, turn them off, but they should be off. You turn them on, Here's the, key, the key part is the on part, you turn them on with kavana that I'm turning them on for Shabbos, and then, without interruption, do not pass go, do not collect $200, immediately then go into the hole, light the candles, cover the eyes, bracha, 
make, etc. Having in mind when you make the bracha, what am I making a bracha on? Not only the candles in front of me, but also the light that I also just turned on. And that way you have um, sanctified not only the candles in your candelabra, but also that light you have just turned on. That is the best way. If you ask me, that is the most mahadran way to light. Let's say you forget. So in uh, source number nine and others, Ravad Yosef, others say, we have what to rely on even if you didn't do that and we just made a bracha on our candles. You have what to rely on. It's the ambiance, it's the minag, it's the minag choshuv, it's nikar. But if you ask me what's better, what's better is not to rely on that. What's better would be to incorporate, and again, a lot, it just takes one act of remembering to turn it on deliberately for Shabbos and then have kavanah when you're making your bracha uh, on your Shabbos candles that in, you're not just talking about the candles in front of you, but you're including uh, that light uh, as well. Okay? Now I want to go fast through some of the three other topics now, or else we're going to uh, either go way too long or not get to uh, some very, really important things. So sources number 11 and 12, I'm going to start going a little bit faster. I'll apologize. Uh, and I don't think we have too much time to read a lot of the stuff inside. But again, for those who want to follow along, I'll let you know what sources I'm referring to. And sources number 11 and 12 is a discussion of where one lights. The Ramah says that primarily you should light on the Shabbos table, not the dining room but literally on the Shabbos table. And there are many people who have such a custom, and it's brought down here in the Ramad to light on the Shabbos table. And the Mishnah Brewer mentions, because the primary benefit, it's not the only benefit, but the primary benefit, that especially in the ancient world, in the, in the, in the older, you know, previous generations, but even now, if you talk about the candlelit dinner, as we mentioned, the ambiance, the main benefit is that you're eating by the light of the candles. And therefore, many people would put it on, uh, felt that that was al-chachila. Nevertheless, for practical and or halachic and or safety reasons, not everyone can or wants to put their Shabbos candles on the Shabbos table, especially with little kids. It could be a mux issue if you wanted to remove them later on Shabbos. It could be dangerous, God forbid. So not everyone wants to do that. And therefore, the Mishnah Brewer writes at the end of source number 12, Nevertheless, uh, Anywhere you had the candles in the house that you'll get benefit from them, is bidyevit okay. So if you ask me, I would say in theory, again, I say this only in theory, because the- there's very few people I think who actually do this, or who could do this. But in theory, if you could safely have them on the Shabbos table, maybe that would be number one. But a clear preference number two, if you have the physical space, is to light them in the dining room, where you can see them from the table. If you could do that, that's to me, if, not, if, it's, not exact, if it's not a one, it's a 1A. One that's, pr- that's pretty much what the Shulchan Aruch wants you to do. But let's say you can't do that. Again, you don't have, not everyone has, you know, maybe a thing like this, you know, to put candles or, uh, I don't know where you like Shira, but whatever. It does, it, not everyone has a place physically where they can do it in the dining room. I understand that. For sure, I understand that. Um, and therefore, I think in our old house, before we moved uh, to our current house, I don't think we, we had nowhere to, in our dining room really we could light. Um, so then I would say the second best place would be in the kitchen. For the obvious reason of that, especially, especially during the meal, if not throughout the whole Shabbos, is the second most, if not most used room in the house. And therefore, even on Friday night, you'll be going back and forth, you, your, your children, everyone in the family, you get plenty of hanah from the candles uh, if they're in the kitchen, um, and therefore that would be the second best place. I never heard of anyone you know, lighting it in the third room. Uh, I guess in theory you could if you were going to get benefit from it, but I never, that, that just sounds weird. Uh, I don't know anyone who ever did that. But certainly either of those two rooms would be fine, preferably in the dining room if you can. If you cannot, then I would do it um, somewhere in the kitchen. Um, now that we've seen that there's a primary benefit of doing it where you eat, so now I want to take two minutes and ask, what do you do if you're eating out? 
Hopefully somebody gets invited somewhere. Uh, hopefully we have a friendly community. People have friends. Maybe some people have relatives in the neighborhood. Uh, if you're eating out on Friday night, where do you light? So on the one hand, it sounds like, well, it's supposed to be where you eat. Then we just say that on the shulchan. So, okay, so I'll, I ask my friend, can I light with you, next to you, in her house? It makes a lot of sense. Ramosha Feinstein thinks that's not the right thing to do. Ramosha Feinstein says, as we shall... Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say that. I skipped that part. But there's a big discussion. Even, I, I could have mentioned it. if I, I, I skipped it. I apologize. There's a big discussion. Even, it goes back to the electricity uh, discussion of um, what if my candles aren't really adding anything? Right, let's say there was like three couples staying in the same house. And by the time woman number three comes down, there's already 20 candles lit. There's plenty of light. My two candles aren't adding anything. So already in the Shulchan Aruch, there's a machlokas. Could you... Should you still light there? Can you make a bracha on that? So we assume Ikara then you could, but it's not, it's not so simple. So says Moshe Feinstein, if you're eating out on Friday night, the Balat Habayit, whoever your host is, she's lighting. That house is already Yotze. Meanwhile, your house, which you're going to go back to because you're, you're going to sleep at home, that needs light. Ikara din. You need light for Kavod, for Oneg, for Shalom Bayez. Therefore, Moshe says, rather than getting into a machlokes, can I be the secondary or, or the tertiary lights in someone else's place? It's definitely better, says Moshe, to light in your own house. But what's the catch? You need to make sure to get hana'a, some benefit from those lights, after sundown, after shkia. So how do you do that? So there's different solutions, uh, different suggestions. Ramosha says the easiest suggestion is, and again, in, in our neighborhood where you might be walking three minutes, or even if you were walking all the way somewhere else in Ramat Chemesh, or even if you're walking to the furthest part of Ramat Shiloh, it's a 20-minute walk away. In most cases, you know, you're not walking until dinner time anyway, or you could easily walk if you wanted after Shkia. So says Ramosha, the easiest thing is light in your own house, your regular candles, then sit, you'll daven, you'll read a little bit. You make sure to get some hana from the candles, after sunset, and then go away for then go for dinner Friday night. You're going to come back two and a half, three hours later. The candles are all burnt out. Doesn't matter. You already got some benefit in the beginning of Shabbos. That's the first possibility. Ramosha says a second possibility. Let's say you can't. This is again less of a problem now, but I know certainly in Chutzlar in particular, this is a problem when people maybe are going to places further away. They want to drive over before Shabbos. I remember in, with, when I was growing up, this happened many times, either with my bubby coming to us or us going somewhere else. Right? My mom would light, and then she'd get in the car, and we would drive. So leave the issue of how did she get into a car after she lit. We'll, that, we'll try to get to that uh, before the year is over. But in terms of the hana, what do you do? So says Ramosha Feinstein, use really, really big candles. Use like a yardside candle or something, so that when you come back after dinner, 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, the candles are still burning. And then, before you quickly go up to sleep, make sure to spend two, three minutes. It doesn't have to be longer than that. Sit and read a little bit, learn a little bit, even just choose with your husband for three minutes in front of those candles, and that was considered your hana. So the point is just not to get lost in the details. It's not that complicated. Either on the front end or on the back end. But you would need to have some hana after sunset from the candles. But the third option, which I think is the recommended one, is as follows. First of all, sometimes I remember in America, one or two times a woman would say to me, I'm not comfortable. I'm not lighting candles and then leaving my house. Yeah, I'm not here. Some people would be okay with it, and they put it in a tin, they put it in a tin foil. Whatever. There are ways to do You put it in the sink. There are all sorts of ways people can feel safe, but other people don't feel safe. I'm not here to argue whether you should or shouldn't feel nervous about leaving the candles. But A, some people are nervous. 
B, not everyone's going to have candles that are long enough that are going to last or they can't. So whether you don't want to leave the candles for safety reasons, so if you don't want to light it all, then you have no choice. You're basically the equivalent of the woman in the hospital. You have to light just on the electricity. And if it's not, if it's only fluorescent, then I would light, it's your, your Yotzei, the mitzvah, but I wouldn't make a bracha on that, as I said previously. If it's incandescent, I would even make a bracha on that. But let's say you're not scared of the fire because you've taken appropriate safety precautions. You're not worried about the danger or the safety, but you don't have like a Yotzei candle. You're going to use those little tea lights. There's no way they're still going to be lit by the time you come home, and you can't wait. So there, this is the perfect time to use the, the suggestion, which I said anyways, Mahadran, every week of your life, but especially if you're going out Friday night, turn on some light. It could be your bathroom light in your bedroom, you know, your bedroom bathroom, it could be a night light, it could be your, your living room, the den, the playroom. Turn on some light right before you light those little tea lights, having in mind that, that electricity, that's part of my mitzvah. And then when you come home after dinner Friday night, even though your candles are way burnt out, but that light, hopefully there was no power outage, that light is still on, and then your yotze through that again, sit and you have your two-minute conversation with your husband or your two-minute reading, whatever, and your yotze. Okay, so I think bottom line is if you're eating out Friday night, you should still light in your house, not where you're going. But you need to make sure in one of the three ways we just mentioned, you have hana from the candles or from the electricity uh, on Shabbos. Okay? Good? Good. This brings us to another issue. We're rushing, but hopefully we're trying to be as clear as possible. I mentioned already twice, I alluded to it, but now let's dive in because this is very important and very practical. We start off today's shear by saying that we assume that a woman is Makabal Shabbos when she lights. We generally assume that a man is not Makabal Shabbos if he lights, uh, because since men universally are going to be davening Kabbalah Shabbos and Marv, which is not as many women do, but many women don't. So with, with women, we assume that a woman is Makabal Shabbos. With a man, we don't necessarily assume it, which is why if a man lights Shabbos candles, there's a big machlokas, does he have to do the whole thing or not? Should he do the same thing as women? Does he have the same challenge? Or do you say, no, it's obvious, not the bracha, not the candles, none of it's Kabbalah Shabbos. He can just make the bracha, because he's not going to be Kabbalah Shabbos till he davens in shul. Okay, but that would be for your husbands. That's not relevant for you right now, or ever, by definition. Um, but if you want to be milumedit and teach him the halacha, I can tell you afterwards. Um, but... Let's say we, I said we assume the halacha that a woman is mimakabal, whether it's the candles, whether it's the bracha, but something in that process she's accepted Shabbos. But what if she has to go somewhere? Like I said, let's say you were getting invited out somewhere where you wanted to drive. Or, as Atzitz Eliezer asks in source number 15, I love this Shaila, what about women who are in Yerushalayim who want to daven at the Kotel? Beautiful Friday night davening at the Kotel, right? But let's say they live too far, or it's like they want to take a cab. I want a light, right? If you've ever been to any of the Yerushalayim hotels for Shabbos, you know there's this massive buildup of uh, taxis. I'm always paying with guilt because people who leave at the last second are pretty much guaranteeing that their cab driver is Machal Shabbos on the way back. That's actually a real problem. Um, but that's not our topic right now. But the point is, let's say it's 20, 30 minutes till Shabbos, right? But you still don't want to or you can't walk all the way to the hotel. So you, have a, you want a light, However, you lit in your hotel, but you lit, and now you want to take a taxi, or you're at home. You just live in Vagan. I don't know. You live wherever you live, and you want to go down at the hotel. Um, but you need a cab. Or, again, the more typical thing, you know, you live in Teaneck, and you want to go somewhere uh, further away, you know, for Friday night dinner. So what are you supposed to do? If I, if auto, every time I light Shabbos candles, it's automatically Shabbos. So here we have a discussion in the Shulchan Aruch and in the Mishnah Bura. Can you, when you are lighting, have in mind... Can you stipulate that even though I'm lighting now, 
I'm not Makabal Shabbos yet. Now, you can't push it off forever. When the sun sets, the sun sets. But if you were usually lighting 18, 20 minutes or whatever before, so in theory you had that time to play with. Can you do that or not? Some posts can say it doesn't work. You can't fight reality. You light the candles, it's Shabbos for you. Other posts can say you can. It's if you, as long as you con- cognitive and conscious, deliberately make what's called a halakhliya tanaya condition, I'm lighting, but it's not Shabbos for me yet. And that is how we accept the halacha. We accept that you can make a tanai, but given that it's really a dispute, the Shachanarach brings down, you should only do it if there's a bona fide need. Or actually, Mishnah Brewer, source number 14. So you don't do it stam. But let's say, for example, now what counts, so happens to be that Sitzel Yezer discusses, I think this is so beautiful. I really, I, I mean it, I don't mean this to be patronizing. Says Sitzel Yezer, a woman's spiritual desire kind of a meaningful, uplifting Friday night davening to go to the hotel, that's Litzorach. He says it's mutter. She can light candles in the hotel or wherever her apartment and then take the cab to the hotel. It, that's, you know, once, once in who knows what for the average person. That's not typical. But let's say, for example, um, you're really running late and there's certain, let's say you, 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 your little kid is still in the bathtub or you still got to get certain kids ready for Shabbos, but it's 18 minutes. What should I do? So again, every case is different. I can't give you every possible scenario now, but there are all sorts of things which could come up in more everyday life, which would be really litzorech, and if it would really be a bona fide need, then the answer is yes. Then you could make it tonight, and you lit the candles, you want to make sure you don't forget, or you're always very strict, you always want to do it your 20 minutes, your 18 minutes, but I, I know there's still a few things that, I still got to pull something out of the oven. There could be reasons, but again, if, if, you, don't, if you don't have that in mind when you lit candles, then, there's nothing, then it's too late. You have to, the, 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 the assumption, the, the presumption, if you don't deliberately have kavana to hold off on keeping Shabbos, is that the stam is, when you light, it is Shabbos. If you want to insert, so to speak, that tonight to hold things back, uh, you can do that. So that's a very, very important thing, whether you need to drive somewhere, or even the more typical things are going crazy in the house, and there's still a few things you need to do, but you had like candles. Yes? Sorry, quickly. Are you allowed to, let's say you light Yes, I, I, okay, yes, I, 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 I think so, because that was going back to the beginning of this year, I think the more predominant view is that we assume it's not the lighting of the candles that's Kabbalah Shabbos for women, but it's the bracha. So the real issue is, what do you have in mind when you're making the bracha? If you have nothing in mind, then it's Shabbos for you, and then it's too late. Now, I will add... No, I know that, I'm saying, so, but until you've made the bracha, I think it's okay. I said, once you've made the bracha, that's the question. What did you have in mind when you made the bracha? Now, what should you do if you already made the bracha and you didn't have a tanai, and then you realize, uh-oh, I need to turn off the oven? So, I, so, I, so this is, I wasn't planning on talking about it, but since you brought up the question, it's very common. Yeah, you can ask your husband. To, I, I think it'd be better, it's even better to ask your husband. Not only for all the, not only for all the obvious reasons. Um, yeah, so I, so I get, it's not... With minor kids, it's a little bit trickier. I'm not saying it's not at all, but it's not clear that just because you made Shabbos, that automatically obligates everybody. And it's certainly, Ramosha Feinstein says, a woman making Shabbos does not obligate her husband. So it's definitely, if you can, if he's nearby, I would definitely use your husband or neighbor. You know, th- that would be fine. If you have no choice, you probably could use a kid too. Um, okay, let me, let's do um, two, the last topic. Well, if, you, if you'll indulge me, we started six minutes late, which was my fault. But if you'll indulge me, uh, we'll go a little bit longer. And that's just the last, last topic, which is, how many candles do you light? And what if you forget to light? 
So here, if you take a look, source 16 and 17, um, it's clear, again, I'm giving you the streamlined version, the Ikar Hadin, the real Mitzvah Shabbos candles, is one candle. If you light one candle every Shabbos, you are Yotzeh the Mitzvah. Nevertheless, the Shulchan Aruch says that the more common minhag is to light two. Where does two come from? Zachor Shamor. We light two. Posts can bring down, I don't know how common this is, but in this forum they bring down that there were women who had the custom, there were communities that had the custom, to light seven. Can I get seven days of the week? Some lit ten. Can I get Dasaras Adibros? Some lit two, but made them like a Havdalah candle. Zachor Shamor B'Diborechad. You're very clever and creative with all your things. Maybe that would be something for you to do. Not for that, but maybe you can make a challah like that and call it. Anyway. Anyway, okay. Um, that's, those are the common minhagim that are brought down. However, as I'm well aware, even though it's not the minhag in my family, but there are many, many families in which the minhag is to add a candle every time they have a child. It is a fascinating phenomenon because it seems like that's getting more and more popular. And until the 1920s, there's no source of that anywhere. It is pretty much a newfangled, made-up minug. That doesn't make it bad. It could still be, um, you know, but if you've been angry at your mother-in-law for all these years that she didn't buy you the big thing, maybe this could bring a little shalom bias uh, to the house, because really she was right. Um, You know, but uh, I didn't mean to walk into anything there. Anyway, just saying theoretically. Um, again, in, in the Gottlieb house, in the Bachman's house, we like we two. Yeah, we like two. Yes, we like two. Yes, I've gotten off easy. Uh, yeah, the rabbi only likes two, because the rabbi's mother only likes two. Um, anyway, so there's a safer called the Kute Marich. I don't know exactly when it was published, but the. That's also a good point. Also a good point. But, 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 but she also, her mama also likes two. Her mother likes two. My mom likes two. We were a two family. Um, anyway, so um, the Lukutim Marich, he died in 1922. Um, see, he brings down the minhug. So, how early it started, I don't know, but we have it on record already, at least in the early 1900s, that there were, is an increasing custom. Since then, there have been many chuvas trying to figure out the mystery of this. Where did it come from? Um, and the interesting thing is that um, just uh, when, I, when I advertised in the shul two weeks ago that this was going to be a new series, uh, one of the men in the shul, Shamshi Shlafrak, uh, has a journal that he just got called Hakira, Volume 30 from Flatbush, a journal out of Flatbush. And in that journal, it just came out, there were two articles just on this topic alone which is how many candles should you light, and where's this idea of adding a candle per the number of the people in the house. I did not have a chance. As you can see, I barely have two minutes to discuss the topic. I didn't need 30 pages and 100 footnotes just for today's shear. I, I look forward to reading those articles. I have not read them yet. But I can tell you that there are a few different uh, theories uh, behind it. One theory that's been given for where this minute came from is the idea which we saw last week that... Uh, being Zahir in Shabbos candles is a skula for having children, and therefore it's not exactly what the Gemara said, but maybe the more candles I light, the more children I'll have, and the more Torah dick they'll be. So there was one suggestion. The other suggestion, which is very interesting, is that even though I don't think it's really relevant nowadays, but in the you know, earlier generations, and this is brought down in Shulchan Aruch, the assumption was that a Yoledes, a newborn mother, wouldn't light. Now, it doesn't seem that that's like some Kabbalistic or ritual reason. What it seems like, you forgive me, uh, but it seems like in earlier, uh, you know, more crude medical uh, and hygienic situations, uh, a woman who's still recovering from the birth was not exactly clean, and they didn't have a way to make her, you know, 
kept, well kept as we can do, thank God, nowadays. And therefore, either she was, just wasn't comfortable going out of her bed to light, or maybe it wasn't considered appropriate if she was still really not clean uh, to light. And therefore, it's brought down that the Shabbos after, the husband should light. Now already, for a long time already, that's not our minhag nowadays. Again, sometimes a woman's in a hospital and she can't light. We're not discussing that. But most women who are home, a few days after they give birth, of course they light. And you, I'm sure everyone here did that and you didn't do it. That's exactly what you should have done. But since, since, some suggest, since once upon a time, and maybe even as recently as 100 years ago, could have still been true, that women right after they gave birth didn't light. And even though they didn't do anything wrong, because the Shulchan Aruch told them not to light, and their husbands did light. But it could be out of feeling bad, out of a sense of, oh, I didn't light last week because each child, each time I have a baby, I didn't light. So I'll, as a comp, comp, compensation, so to speak, I'll add a candle in honor of that child. It, these are all just speculations and theories. No one really knows 100% where that minnow came from. But the reality is, for obvious reasons, and I say this sincerely, even though it's not my family minhug, for many people, it's a really beautiful minhug. Right? It's a beautiful minute to be able to look at those candles. Uh, you're bringing in Shabbos and say each one of these candles represents one of my children. For a lot of women, it's very, very meaningful. There's nothing wrong with it. The Shulchan Aruch is explicit. The more candles you light, the better. So you, you can light as many as you want. You know? And uh, if you only have four kids and you light five, you know, and your kids are wondering, hey, mom, uh, are we that good enough for you? You've know, you got to be prepared to answer that. That's not on me. Um, but if you want to light for the number of your kids, I have, there's nothing wrong with it at all. Nothing wrong with it. If that's your minhag, it's beautiful. If you want to convince your mom or your mother-in-law to buy you a nice lighter, it's also good. You can qu- but th- you should just be aware it, there's no real original authentic source for it. But it's emerged. It's evolved. And there's nothing wrong with it. And there's no reason anyone should feel guilty about it. The last, last point I want to mention, which I hope will be so irrelevant that it's not at all necessary for you to know, but just, just, just in case, which I just alluded to, which is, what if a person forgot to light? So first of all, I have found many times that when people forget to light, they're too embarrassed to tell the rabbi and ask a shayla what to do. So please don't... That's like... <laughs> no, I'm saying, people don't tell... I had people tell me afterwards, oh yeah, I forgot to light, you know, but I... Anyway, if a person didn't light, the shukhanah brings down, you have to add a candle. Now, if you're too embarrassed to do that, you could just say, well, I have a new minute, I'm getting a life and I'm lighting for all my kids. Uh, um, right? But that's not what the Shulchanah requires. Shulchanah says, if you forgot to light on a Shabbos, as a knas, as a punishment, make sure you're more careful for the future, you should add a candle. Nevertheless, as the Mishnah Brewer brings down in source number 19, that's only if you were irresponsible or negligent. Right? No one's perfect. Sometimes we mess up and it really is our fault. But says the Mishaburah, what if you're ne'enas? Well, something goes out of your control. So then you're not punished at all. Now, of course, where the rubber hits the road, and that's why you have to ask a shayla, not be embarrassed, is what counts as irresponsible and negligent? And what counts as something that's beyond my control? I didn't light because I had four kids fighting and pulling each other's hair out, and I was you know, running around to get the thing out of the oven and you know, get this one dressed and get this one out of the bath. And I don't think that's necessarily negligent. That's probably an onus. Right. Each case has to be understood on a case-by-case basis. There, I, I've been asked a Shiloh only a few times, even though I have a suspicion that it's probably happened more frequently than that, but I have been asked a Shiloh a few times. There were once or twice where I said to the person, listen, you know, you're a wonderful person, but this was a mistake, and you really do need to add a candle. If you're embarrassed, you can figure out a way to do it in some way that you shouldn't be, ob- shouldn't be obvious, but you should. But there's been more than a few times where a woman called me, and I said, no, I don't think you need to at all. You were an onus. It wasn't, that wasn't your fault at all. 
Um, but you need to be aware of that halacha. Again, I hope it should never happen. Obviously, as I know, most women are very, very careful. It's, you know, it's very, very rare this could happen. But it does happen, especially in a busy house, especially with lots of kids and things like that, especially I know, in the winter, far more dangerous than in the summer, as we know, on the short Fridays. It can happen. If it does happen, please don't be embarrassed. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. Ask a Shaila, and uh, hopefully we'll deal with it. Okay.